We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, good morning. It is Wednesday, February 28th, and uh, the the preview just ahead of the show opening was talking about how AFA strives to be a ministry that um, equips families and the uh, the traditional family and biblical values and talking about truth. And we're going to start there this morning uh, because. You know, this rise of social media influencers uh, has become such a big deal for um, even millennials like my age group, and I'm kind of on the older uh, side of, of millennials. Um, so I'm turning 40 this year, I know, uh, in November. And then, um, but even all the way to, you know, to Gen Z, my, my younger brother's uh, age group, social media influencing um, has, has not just become a keep up with the Joneses kind of thing where you're now looking at people posting their actual lives on, on Facebook or uh, some of these platforms and you're thinking, oh, wow, their, their life is so much better than mine. The grass is always greener. That does happen. But um, even worse than that, I think, is this rise of social media influencers, which are these um, these people who have a, they're, they, sometimes they're paid to be influencers, but they have kind of a, um, a topic or a perspective that they are trying to push as a cultural norm or as a standard for how to live your life. And one of those things is now the quote unquote trad life or trad wife. And of course, trad is uh, is, is short for traditional. And, and yet, a lot of these social media influencers that are suggesting that um, it's, it's better and it's more conservative and it's even more Christian to live your life in the trad lifestyle and uh, for women to be a trad wife, they're not really basing this on a callback to biblical standards and to truth. They're suggesting that the arbitrary uh, date time of the 1950s and, and essentially cosplaying or costume playing what the 1950s looked like as an aesthetic that should be the standard because that is somehow more biblical. And now it's it's not bad at all, of course, for you know women to look nice, for uh, women to wear uh, you know dresses, to to dress up kind of for church in the way that they did in the the 1950s. All of that is great, but the question should be: Is it biblical? What does the Bible say? about traditional marriage, about family values, and what is the standard? Our standard shouldn't be, and here's my point, the standard should not be the social media influencer trad life. The standard should be what saith the Lord. And we have so often completely disregarded the answer to the question, what does God say or thus saith the Lord, with 
what says my therapist or what says the social media influencer? And we are putting these people up on a pedestal as the so-called experts or even, you know, what does my pastor say? Now, they can give biblical counsel, but ultimately it should be, and even pastors should be asking and answering the question, what does God say? So Allie Beth Stuckey, um, who is the conservative millennial on social media, has her podcast, a good friend. She was at um, the Founders uh, Ministries conference, and, and they, they did a conference, and she answered a little bit of this uh, trad life trend. And I thought her response was spot on. This is cut two. The trend of being a trad wife or having a trad life on social media, which is really less about traditional or biblical values and a lot more about aesthetics. And obviously there's nothing wrong with living on a farm and making your own sourdough and homesteading and all of those wonderful things. But because this has become a trend on TikTok and a trend on social media, unfortunately, some people have made the mistake of conflating that so-called trad life and being a trad wife with being a biblical wife or a biblical mom or having a biblical life uh, while homesteading and all of that is wonderful. It's great. Motherhood for the Christian is obviously much more than a social media trend. It's not just something that you cosplay, put a costume on and play and pretend. Um, it's not just uh, an aesthetic. It is a calling by God. And there are biblical standards, of course, that women are called to, uh, but it is uh, they're not standards that are set by social media. They're not standards that are set by a TikTok trend. They're not standards set by whatever social media influencer you follow that says, in order to be a good mom, you have to make your own sourdough. That's a wonderful thing, but you can be a, a great and biblical wife and mom without doing some of those things, which is good news for me because I like to buy my sourdough. <laughs> So this was great from uh, the the Founders Ministry. And so Tom Askell, who is the president of the Founders Ministries, joins me now. And uh, Tom, th this was such a great response from Allie Beth Stuckey. And I think it um, opens the, the conversation to a bigger question that so many young people are being influenced by TikTok trends, Instagram trends, and they're forgetting that the standard ultimately is the Bible. Well, that's exactly right, Jenna. Uh, the social media, we, we have not yet begun to measure the impact uh, negatively, as well as I'm sure some positive, that it's having, especially on the rising generations. And whenever people can gain an audience and a hearing and a following by doing certain things, well, those things become viral and everybody starts using that as a standard. And uh, though I, I was prior to that conversation that we recorded in, on the Founders uh, podcast, The Sword and Trial, with Ali Beth, I was unaware of the trad life, uh, trad wife trends. And so I was schooled just a few minutes before we sat down and had the conversation. Uh, Ali helped me as well as Graham Gundon, who's the co-host on that podcast. But having looked into it now, I mean, there's, there are wonderful things, as she said, you know, it's not wrong. There's much good about the elements that go into that. Uh, granting that, to take that and transpose it into, hey, this is the epitome. This is what everyone ought to aim for if you're going to live the good life. It just confuses categories, and it can uh, do a number on young, impressionable uh, young people, particularly, who want what is best in this world. And so when you substitute something that is externally 
attractive and even beneficial to some degree for the real that might have some of those trappings associated with it, but is far more than that. You can lead people down bad paths thinking they're living the good life. And I think that was the whole point it was trying to make to um, just call attention to that sleight of hand move that does happen by social media influencers. Yeah, and, and Tom Askell, I mean, th- this has happened even uh, you know back in in the day. I, I remember when um, my parents were first starting to homeschool, and of course, this is before social media and Facebook. But there were, of course, homeschooling magazines, and I remember my mom talking about um, subscribing to to some of these magazines to you know get some ideas for homeschooling and all the time on the covers of the magazines were these picture-perfect families that had, you know, seven or eight kids, and they all got up at four in the morning and made their own sourdough, right? And they all had, they were like the, the Von Trapp family singers, like they had, um, you know, all, they, they got up at four and five in the morning to um, to go and learn the cello, and they were these great artists at, you know, five. And, and it was this standard, and there's nothing wrong with that, but her right. point was, um, she stopped subscribing to those magazines because she said, that's not ultimately the standard. The standard is to disciple my children and bring them up in the way of the Lord, not to keep up with some image of what a homeschooling family um, should be according to magazines. And so I, I think the point here um, is that we need to always bring this back to the standard of Christ, like you said. And for people who aren't aware of these TikTok trends, they are are so influential to young people. And I think it's incumbent on pastors, especially in the church, to understand what some of these trends are so that they can respond to that with the truth in the biblical worldview. Absolutely. And we were right there with your parents. Don and I homeschooled our six kids, or I should say she did, and I cheered her on. And uh, the same thing happened with us, those magazine covers and, you know, everybody's dressed, all the women are dressed in denim jumpers and uh, the boys in lederhosen. And, you know, uh, we would go to these homeschool conferences in Florida, had, I don't know if it still does, the largest in the nation during that time. And Donna quit going to those because I remember the last one we went to, she said, it's just overwhelming because everybody is saying this is the way, if you don't use this curriculum, if you don't teach it this way, it's going to be so bad for your children. But if you do, it's going to turn out wonderful. And that, that message was just fatiguing to get. Now, again, great curricula, uh, wonderful principles, and you could see people who get up at four to play the cello and learn how to bake bread and all that, and that's, that's fine. But that's not the essence of what we need to be going for in trying to train the next generation in godliness. And some who uh, grow in godliness get it. Well, they will do that. That's fine. But some will not do that. And that's fine, too, if they are right on the essentials, if they are grounded in truth, they're submissive to Christ as Lord, and they're seeking to live out under his lordship uh, the various responsibilities that is entrusted to them as they embrace their calling in this world, whether that's to be a man, to be a woman, uh, whether that's to do some specific vocation or not. It's, those are the, the key element here is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if we assume that while highlighting the outer elements then you're very quickly going to lead people into an externalized understanding of what Christianity is or in the trad life, trad wife stuff, what the good life is, uh, whether or not it's rooted in Christianity. And, and that's the danger, and it needs to be called out. Is that, a, is that the most significant danger we're facing? Of course it's not. And I think some of the people that uh, don't like 
this conversation would say, man, it's better to have um, live next door to a trad life family than it is to live next door to a terrorist family. Well, okay, <laughs> but, but that's not the conversation. You know, terrorism's bad. It's worse than trad life trends. But let's look at these issues under the Lordship of Christ because there's no subject and no concern that is out of bounds for those who are bowing the knee to King Jesus. So well said. I'm speaking to Tom Askell, who's the president of Founders Ministries and a pastor here in uh, my home state of Florida. And you're so right that uh, that these types of trends and when you start looking at the external, then it becomes about works-based. And it becomes, uh, rather than the essence of living the Christian life and conforming to the truth of the gospel of Christ and uh, perfecting out our salvation, it, it then becomes about just the external. And some people who may be in this trad uh, lifestyle may not even know uh, the gospel, may not even be Christians, but they may think that they are because externally they seem to conform to this lifestyle and they will think then that that is the essence uh, just to have the external and the works based rather than understanding uh, what the gospel is about. And then on the flip side, I know there are so many people who get so discouraged thinking, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm and I'm trying so hard, but I, I have so many things in my life that aren't perfect. I don't look like the trad lifestyle or I don't look like the, the perfect little homeschool family with the white picket fence. And, you know, I have all of these other problems um, that are going on. And it reminds me, uh, Tom, of the of the book of Job and how the pious friends would tell Job um, that he wasn't doing the right thing because he wasn't getting these abundant blessings. And it's it's almost like in today's Christian culture, we have a view that if Jesus is added onto our lives, then our lives will then become this perfect, happy aesthetic. And that's not at all what the Bible teaches. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's... Uh... I think it's it's an outgrowth, or it's the same same root of the whole health wealth gospel. You know, you come to Jesus, you get what you want, and here's what you ought to want. And that's that's not it. I mean, does God have standards? Absolutely. Does He call men to be men and women to be women? Yes. And men are not women, and women are not men. And the measure of a man's not a woman, and the measure of a woman's not a man. All those things are true. But it's if we try to live up to what we understand those standards to be for men or women or children or parents, whatever it is, without dealing with the heart issue, without coming to terms with God, our maker, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, and reconciling to God through Christ, then all of the externals in the world will do us no good. This is one of the great condemnations that Jesus made against the scribes and the Pharisees is that they washed the outside of the uh, bowls, but inside are filled with dead men's bones. He said, you, you, you're just, they're, they're, it's dirty. You've got to deal with the heart. And when the heart gets right, well, then you will definitely want to live in accordance with, the, what, with God's prescriptions. And you'll do that to greater or lesser degrees of success, and some days will be better than others, and some seasons will be better than others. But it will be out of a desire to honor the Christ who has saved you. It won't be just trying to, to paste an external veneer uh, over your life so that you either deceive yourself or maybe deceive others into thinking, yes, I'm living the good life. Look, I'm honoring God because I'm doing all these external things. And so it, it's an important subject, and it, it, it transcends this specific issue. 
of trad life. It goes to the heart of what the gospel is and how the gospel works. Jesus said you make the tree good and you'll get good fruit because no good fruit can come from a bad tree. And the only way a tree can be made right, the roots can be made right, is by transformation. It's the power of God's spirit taking the gospel of Jesus, applying it to your life so that from the inside out you begin to be transformed by trusting the Lord Jesus and living under his lordship by faith, taking him at his word, and you you see the transformation take place over the course of time. And that will include externals, no doubt about that. You know, a, a liar will quit lying, a thief will quit, quit stealing, but you can quit stealing and quit lying and completely go to hell having missed Jesus Christ. Mm, absolutely. And that's such a great point, Tom Askell, that um, this does transcend and is a much bigger topic than just one example of a social media influencing uh, lifestyle or, you know, one specific moment in time. This has been a question, I think, throughout um, human history of, of do we do just the externals and do we add God on to our, um, our, our works and our sinful lifestyle or are we truly transformed through the gospel of Christ? And so, for people who are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, well, I'm I'm trying to uh, to live Christianly, but it just seems like everything is so hard, and and I want to um, I want to measure up, and I'm looking at all of these these things, whether it's social media influencing, whether it's the magazine, whether it's their next door neighbor, people at church, whatever, and they're discouraged because they're thinking other people are so much further in their Christian life than I am. Um, what counsel from Scripture would you give them? Yeah, well, I would say, first of all, um, you don't measure up. And I say this to people I know. Let me go ahead and say it to folks who are listening to this. Uh, but in our own congregation, or with people that I have a relationship with, and they come in and say, man, I feel so bad. You know, I'm not what I ought to be. I see this guy's doing better than I am. I ought to be a better Christian or I ought to be a better wife or mother, whatever. I'll try to draw out of them all the, the, the angst they're feeling. And then I'll say, guess what? I've got some really bad news for you. It's worse than you understand. Uh, you're not nearly as good as you think you are. You know? And what I'm trying to do is help them to get off of the ground of thinking, if I only were a little better, then I could afford to feel better about myself. No, you can't. We all have sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. Uh, there's nobody who does righteousness, not one. And consequently, what we need to do is quit looking at ourselves and quit thinking that our performance, if we can enhance it somehow, will be good enough for God or good enough for our consciences to start feeling better. And look to the one who has performed everything. Jesus is the only righteous man who's ever lived, and he completely obeyed God's commandments, not just externally, but internally as well in his thoughts, his attitudes, his desires, and his righteousness that he earned. He gives to everybody who trusts him, and he laid down his life on the cross to die for every one of your sins. So think, think of your shortcomings. Think of all the things where you fail before God, and look to Christ and realize, okay, Christ died for those sins. I don't bear them anymore. I don't have to be ashamed. I'm not condemned. And you, re, you live your life by faith in Christ, realizing that all of his righteousness is credited to you. So now then, because of him, you can look to what God's will is and say, I'm going to do my best, and you do your best, and you know at the end of every day, you've not done it perfectly, but you have a perfect Savior who did, and in him, 
all of your feeble efforts are accepted by God as righteous, not because you did them perfectly, but because you did them through faith in Christ. And that sets you free, and that motivates you to do better and to not quit. And when you fall down, if you look to Christ and remember Him, you'll be more willing and ready to get up and start over because you know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the key to all of this is to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, take God at his word, and rest in Christ, and remember Christ, and repent of every sin, knowing that you you can honestly do that. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to cover up. You don't have to justify, because you have a Savior who shed his blood for every one of your sins. What a great message this morning. Tom Askell, so appreciate you. And we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband decided they never wanted kids. When she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on an ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful. Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, as we are continuing to pray for Israel and peace in the Middle East amid uh, all of what is going on with uh, Israel and Hamas and, um, and and just praying against the horrors uh, that are going on, last year uh, commemorated and celebrated 75 years of the miraculous restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel. And there is a great uh, book that is titled Israel, the Miracle, and it is um, from the pen of over 75 Christian leaders, including Pat Robertson, Ben Carson, Anne Graham Lotz, and many others around the world. And Israel, the Miracle commemorates the 75th anniversary of the nation of Israel by taking the reader on a journey through the promised land, through the stories and reflections of Christian leaders who have experienced its wonder. So uh, Jonathan Feldstein, who is the president of of the Genesis 123 Foundation, uh, where you can get this book, joins me now. Um, um, so, Jonathan, um, th- this is such a great, I think, a commemoration of what God has done um, for Israel, even in the midst of the suffering and what we are still praying for uh, in the Middle East. Yeah, you know, first of all, Jenna, thank you for hosting me today and, and that really lovely introduction, which has inspired me. But yeah, you know, the book, Israel the Miracle, was was conceived in the end of 2022. We went to the printer in August of 23. And it came off the presses in Israel just two weeks before the war, and that it kind of threw a, a a wrench in the in the system. But I have to say, honestly, it's even more inspiring, more relevant, and the feedback that we've gotten has been tremendous. So much so that uh, literally this week we've ordered our second printing 
um, in fact, printing at the, one of the kibbutzim on the Gaza border that was overrun and devastated by terrorists. So we can be investing every, every shekel in printing of the book back in Israel and making a difference. And this is wonderful. And, and, and I think um, the timeliness of it uh, can't be overstated because um, Israel truly uh, is a miracle when we look at what God has done and, and will continue to do for uh, the nation. And, and when we look uh, biblically and, and historically, I think a lot of, um, of people who don't understand the, the entire uh, story of history and the biblical narrative, uh, why the United States in particular, as a Judeo-Christian uh, founded country, and with that heritage that we as Americans claim, why we share um, such a, a deep affection for Israel. And, um, and you mentioned that there's, that there's a lot of um, Christian leaders that includes a, a lot of Americans with such a love um, for the nation of Israel. So what, is, what does that mean uh, to the nation of Israel and why Christians um, support uh, everything that, that's, that's going on in terms of why God has blessed Israel? It's an excellent question. It was important before October 7th because Israelis often feel like we're standing alone. And we know that there's support, although I'll be honest, I'm an Orthodox Jew, dual citizen, very proud American, very proud Israeli, um, have the privilege of living in Israel for 20 years. But most Israeli Jews don't really understand the nature of Christian support, but we're beginning to. And that's important. And I will tell you that since October 7th, when, when we are fighting the war of our lives, which is so black and white, good versus evil, to have Christian support from all over the world, from, uh, from, from I mean, literally, every denomination across the board. It's been so wonderful. It's inspiring. And when I travel around Israel sharing about the book, as I'm doing here in the States right now as well, and also through our Israel emergency campaign, providing resources for Israelis who are victims of this war, um, I tell them that this is from love and support of Christians all over the world. And most Israelis don't understand it yet, but they're very, very grateful and very inspired. So this is a great uh, beginning of an ongoing dialogue that, uh, that we need to keep having. And, and it's been so amazing how well received this book has been uh, among Jews and Christians really all over. And I'm talking with Jonathan Feldstein, who's the president of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. And you can get this book, Israel the Miracle, at IsraelTheMiracle.com. And um, I think that's actually surprising to hear for a lot of Christians in America who just uh, maybe assume that everyone in Israel knows how much we care and and we are praying for Israel. And um, so so describe maybe how uh, we could do a better job of that, of of explaining uh, why. Israel is so important in in the whole narrative of history, and what is the most meaningful about Christian support? So the the meaningfulness is the unconditional nature of it, that Christians understand that 75 years in, the miracle of Israel is that it is is God-ordained, that God um, said he was going to disperse us, and that's happened plenty. We've been through lots of trials as in Israel and the Jewish people over millennia, but we're back, and Christians understand the significance of that. Um, I just came off a meeting in, in, uh, with the minister, Israel's Minister of Tourism, who is here in the U.S., trying to get tourism back on track. And one thing I would say for sure is Christians need to come back. It's safe. There is a war going on, yes, 
but but in most of the country, for good and for bad, um, you, if you don't don't pay attention to your phone, you don't watch the news, you don't really know that there's a war going on, and that's encouraging. It means the army is doing its job. So come there. But when I tell people to come, I also tell them, don't just do a traditional on and off the bus tourist thing. Come and meet us. Come and engage with us. Come build relationships. And that's actually the raison d'etre of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation to create relationships. And and so I was just speaking to a pastor in Indiana yesterday who's never been and wants to come and understands the yeah he needs to come to Israel because it will change him and his his church. But he also needs to have relationships with people. I get mess I get messages all the time, all the time from Christian friends everywhere in the world. Yesterday from the Congo, um, in Central Africa and and everywhere expressing support, praying, how can we pray, how is your family? People know I have a son and a son-in-law who were called up on October 7th. They want to know if everyone's okay, and it's sincere. By expressing that, by expressing it publicly, um, Americans are voting. Uh, I happen to be speaking to you in Michigan right now, where you have a bunch of Americans who voted uh, uncommitted. Christians need to be committed. We need to vote Jews and Christians together for things that are biblical. Hmm. And and is your family okay and and doing well? I mean, I didn't know that about your two sons, but I'll, I will be yeah. praying for your thank family. Thank you. You know, thank you. It, it really means a lot. We are. Um, my son and son-in-law were discharged from active duty for the time being recently. Um, my son is 25. He's a newlywed. They spent most wow. of their married life with him in the army. That's hard. Um, they'll be okay. But I think that there's a word for it, a professor of mine from Emory shared with me recently, but I forgot it, the, how, how the war has impacted the soul, of the DNA of our soul. And mm-hmm. I think that that will even trickle down to my three- and five-year-old grandchildren, who will have somehow vivid memories of this. Physically, we're okay, but we, we were still in the midst of a trauma. No, one, no one's really had the opportunity to completely mourn October 7th, much less 250 military casualties and 134 uh, hostages who are still being held by Hamas terrorists and how that impacts all of their families. And it, 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 it's so unspeakable what's been going on. Um, we'll be okay, but this will be, this is a new trauma in the DNA of our souls for many decades to come. Yeah, and, and I think, Jonathan, that there are so many people that uh, that tend to view this because of the news, and that's how we get our perspective. We tend to view uh, what's going on just through a political lens, uh, maybe without always recognizing the human toll and the, yeah. the trauma and the, um, the, the post-traumatic stress and, and all of these things that truly families are impacted. And um, and it is a it is a horrible thing, and um, and Israel is so uh, dear to Christians. And I had one um, opportunity years ago to go uh, to Israel, actually, with my cousin. And um, one of the things that our tour guide said that I'll never forget is that in the New Testament, when we read uh, where Jesus walked and uh, the the movements of the early church and and all of the events of the of the gospel um, and following. He said, you've read in black and white, and after this week, you will read in color. And I never forgot that because it's so true. And now I have the vivid memories of being there and seeing the land um, that that God has blessed and that he chose. Um, And and I 
when I read that, I, I see uh, the, the land there and True. it has become even more precious to me having True. been there. So I would completely affirm that if, uh, if, if people are able, um, they should at least once in their lifetimes um, go to Israel. And so in just the last few minutes we have here, um, you mentioned that there um, may be opportunities you know, to build those relationships through the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. Um, how can people uh, contact you uh, and 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 start inquiring into that process through your ministry? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So IsraelTheMiracle.com is where people can get the book, and of course there's a contact us uh, place so people can contact. And by the way, let me just offer this, just because it's important. My goal, the proceeds of our book, are going to bless Israelis of all background. Um, I, th- I hope we'll cover costs, but I want to offer all, all your listeners a, a discount to go and check out and use the code Jonathan10 and get a 10% discount, because our goal really is to have it out there as widely as possible, so people can contact me through that website. Also, genesis123.co, which is a broader view of the things that we're doing um, for anyone who's a runner or, or, or runs casually. Uh, we will be reviving, God willing, next year, the Run for Zion program, which is the first Christian program around the Jerusalem Marathon. It's been great, except it's been interrupted twice now by a pandemic and, and a war. So hopefully in, in early 25, um, but people are invited to, to um, contact me there. Uh, I, I am back traveling, God willing, my son and son-in-law will have to be able to stay out of Gaza and out of Lebanon for a while, and I'll be able to come back and people always invite welcome to invite me to come and speak in their churches and their communities um fantastic so that's genesis 123.co and the discount code is jonathan10 at israelthemiracle.com i would ask all of you at afr please be praying for jonathan feldstein his family and everyone in israel we'll be right back with more If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. Well, this is the first week of the launch of my brand new television show on the Salem News Channel. And um, thanks so much to everyone who has tuned in. And I know a lot of our AFR listeners have. And that uh, is live on the SalemNewsChannel.com, all of our distribution um, outlets at 9 p.m. Eastern. So it's in uh, prime time, which has been actually really um, incredible that they gave me the opportunity to um, be on this hour, um, just like AFR being in 
um, you know, the, the first live show of the day. And um, a lot of you who listen to this show in the morning um, are in your cars and um, driving to, as uh, Abe Hamilton says, your part-time jobs. And then he gets to have you as you're on your way back uh, from your part-time jobs to uh, your full-time jobs, which of course are your family. And um, so then at the 9 p.m. hour, I, uh, I get to be on the Salem media side and um, and do this show. It's it's uh, called Jenna Ellis Tonight. And uh, then, and I'm right ahead uh, currently of the Eric Metaxas show, and then Dinesh D'Souza is after that. And, um, and it's just such a wonderful opportunity to continue to speak truth. And, um, you know, with everything that has gone on um, in in my life, and I know a lot of our regular listeners um, know, you know, all of the things that that you've been been praying for that I've I've shared um, personally from you know everything that's gone on in Georgia to uh, now dealing with uh, the Colorado bar and that's still ongoing. I would ask you for prayer for that. Um, when I was speaking with Tom Askell um, earlier in the show, um, and if you missed that segment, go to afr.net and uh, listen to the uh, the podcast and the rebroadcast. Um, because as he was talking about um, truly conforming to the image of Christ and remembering the things that are essential, um, I was asked actually on Salem Radio yesterday because uh, we were um, promoting the show and and I was doing a couple of uh, radio hits with them. Uh, the the interviewer asked me, um, so you know you you had this this whole uh, you know life working for um, President Trump and you know being in D.C. and in the halls of power and all this stuff and um, what has it been like to transition to something, you know, completely different in, um, in radio. And, um, you know, and it was such a great question because I think a lot of people somehow assume that this is lesser in a sense, um, that, you know, I peaked when I, when I was uh, working for a sitting president and now, you know, it's kind of been like, ah, I got to get in this mindset where, um, honestly it's, it's completely the opposite. While it was such a privilege and an honor to work for a sitting president, and I felt that I was serving my country um, during that time, especially through the first impeachment um, when I was first hired, um, really, this is getting back to my calling uh, from the Lord. And and yes, I, I believe that he opened uh, that door and that I was um, in his will to go and, and work um, for uh, the campaign. Um, I was not part of the administration on the campaign side. And, um, and that was a, a great opportunity and part of my story and, and part of what God had for me. Um, but really, when, when I went to law school and then um, wrote my book, which has now been 10 years ago, um, next year, which is kind of crazy, the legal basis for a moral constitution, um, what, what God really instilled in my heart and my passion has been to speak truth and, and teach the apologetic of law and to take uh, what's going on in the culture and to to bridge that with the underpinning of the biblical worldview. And everything that I get to do um, on radio with AFR, and, and we're now in our second year of this show, and I've absolutely loved it. It's gone by so fast. Um, and now with God increasing my platform to be on the Salem News Channel, I'm loving it because this is going back to my my real calling. I don't want to be um, just in, in politics and all of the red versus blue and the partisan and all of that. And I got a great perspective there, but um, it's truly been amazing. And so I'm grateful that uh, God has given me all of these opportunities. And um, and it's a challenge and and I think a, um, a good view for me to, uh, like Tom was admonishing all of us this morning, to not think of 
trials uh, and and other things that are negative that you go through as being outside God's will or somehow um, negative in terms of, of our Christian faith, but recognizing that as you continue to do more and more what God has for you, you're going to get attacks. You're going to have hardship. Um, the Bible promises persecution and trials, and I've gone through a lot of that, but I can honestly say that God has been faithful. He has provided, and I want to start this year, um, and we started um, our first January show on this network saying, I want to trust God more sooner. And regardless of what happens um, in Colorado, my perspective, of course, is that um, I, I've, I've hired counsel and we're going to um, comply with the process and we'll participate in that because I'm obligated to do that as a licensed attorney. And, um, and of course, praying for um, the, the, the just outcome, um, which we believe is that I should keep my bar license. Um, but even, even if, right, even if I don't, my perspective on this, um, and I was telling um, my pastor this this week, that if that happened, that would simply mean that God is saying, okay, for what I have for you then in ministry, Jenna, you don't need your bar license, right? And and that should be our perspective that whatever God has for us, and even in the midst of, I mean, I know there are so many doctors who lost their licenses over um, COVID prescriptions. Um, our, our friend uh, Frank Pavone, who lost um, his priesthood because he stood firm for pro-life, his ministry has only expanded. And so if we have the perspective, um, truly, as my pastor was teaching on Sunday, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then even when it's the worst, and he was describing um, the martyrdom of, of Stephen in the early church and how that terrible, tragic event um, that, of course, was was wrong, God still used that for good to bring the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And so we do need to have that perspective that no matter what happens, and we should be like Paul, who took advantage of every legal defense he had. Um, he stood up for truth. He didn't just say, you know, fine, come come persecute me and I'll roll over. But uh, he ultimately knew that um, all things work together for the good and that we can have joy in all circumstances. I mean, he he wrote um, that that uh, great passage in uh, Philippians from prison. And, and if you can have joy um, in a Roman prison, um, then you can have joy, I think, just about anywhere. So um, so I just want to take a moment in, in the midst of, you know, this week has kind of been big for me um, to to launch this new show and to, to see God expanding my platform and to just say I'm very grateful um, to everyone who has prayed for me and who has encouraged me. And there have been some of the naysayers, um, you know, for whatever reason, like, you know, we disagree with you on a, on a political thing. So, you know, you should just resign and you should go. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking you're you're just like the people in Job where you have no idea that you are going against what I know God has called me to in ministry. And um, and I reject that. And I'm going to continue uh, to simply do what God has for me every day. And I'm loving it. And so um, so thank you for uh, being part of the AFR family. And I've absolutely loved this morning with you. So uh, before the end of the show today, let's uh, do get to some political topics. And uh, this in particular, I wanted to play from Speaker Mike Johnson, who please keep praying for him because he is such a great Christian. And I know is just um, there's been a lot of challenges. That's a very difficult role. But yesterday he met with the White House and congressional leaders and 
And he says that his purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth that we must take care of Americans first. And this were uh, this is his remarks. It's it's about two minutes um, of his remarks after meeting privately as well with Joe Biden. This is cut one. Thank you all for staying. We had a, uh, a, a couple of meetings there. It was uh, frank and honest. I think we need more frank and honest conversations on Capitol Hill. So I was happy to participate in this. We did uh, that as a group. And then I had a one-on-one uh, -on -one for a period of time with the president, just he and I in the Oval Office. Uh, let me say this. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth. And that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. I've been, I believe, in uh, maybe 20-something states over the last several weeks, going around the country, uh, appearing at events with my colleagues, and we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions and all cities and all states who feel this acutely. They understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone, and it is top of mind for all the American people for that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and, and again one-on-one -on -one with the president. I think that's our responsibility uh, to bring that up. The other big priority for our country, of course, is the funding of our government. And we have been working in good faith around the clock every single day for months and, and weeks and over the last several days, quite literally around the clock, to get that job done. We're very optimistic. I, I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. And that's our first uh, responsibility. Uh, you also heard, I'm sure, that there was um, discussion about the supplemental uh, spending package. And uh, I was very clear with the president and all those in the room that the House is actively uh, pursuing and uh, investigating all the various options on that. And we will address that in a timely manner. But again, the first priority of the country is our border and making sure it's secure. I, I believe the president can take executive authority right now today to change that. And I told him that again today in person, as, I, as I've said to him many times, publicly and privately over the last several weeks. It's time for action. It is a catastrophe, and it must stop. And we will get the government funded, and we'll keep working on that. So we'll have more for you. All right, and then uh, he did not take questions, just uh, just walked off. But I think he's absolutely right that uh, the priority should be the border. And interestingly, uh, that has been the number one topic in the exit polls of uh, the primaries, um, including uh, you know Michigan that just happened uh, yesterday, and then we're moving ahead into Super Tuesday next week. Um, there are so many people that are concerned, rightly so, about the border. And um, some of the, the chatter on social media that I've seen um, – that crime is actually uh, going down in Venezuela and some of those countries, and it's rising here in America because uh, Venezuela is exporting their criminals here, and and they are they are coming illegally across the border. And we saw that with um, the terrible tragedy of the University of Georgia um, student, a nursing student there in in Athens, um, Lakin Riley, who uh, was murdered in cold blood as she was uh, running. Uh, on the university campus. And um, now ICE has released a statement and uh, confirmed that um, the the man who was charged with her murder um, did illegally cross the border a couple of years ago. And um, that was that was in, I believe, 2022. But it was certainly during uh, Joe Biden's presidency. And um, and, and that is a direct consequence of of bad policy 
And this is why uh, Christians have to be engaged in our civil government, because when we look at um, these effects of bad policy of, you know, the, the liberal left would like to to say that, you know, that no sovereignty for nations and we just need to welcome everyone. And under this guise of humanitarianism, um, apparently uh, this guy came across the border um, with a, some kind of humanitarian um, youth outreach effort. Um, but, you know, by some leftist organization and and look at what happened um, because it was illegal. And uh, and this is why we have a nation of laws and why the Bible commands the civil government to to do justice and uh, to promote good in civil society, but also to restrain evil. And laws are inherently moral. And uh, and we see the consequences of that. And um, it may not be uh particularly intuitive to think that what we do in terms of policy at the border is a moral question, but the product of that bad policy is necessarily a moral question when we look at all of the victims of crimes. There was a, a video on social media that I saw that was that was horrific, um, where a, a mom and her daughter were walking across the street and um, someone who reports have suggested was also an illegal um, just slammed into them with a car and kept going and they were both killed instantly. I mean, these these types of heinous murders and these types of violent crimes are the direct product of bad policy, bad governing, and not acting as a legitimate, moral, and upright society. And Speaker Johnson is absolutely correct that it is an obvious truth that we have to take care of America's needs first. And so often the left will try to say, well, uh, why aren't you compassionate? Why aren't you humanitarian? Well, is it the job, biblically, of a civil government to be more compassionate and humanitarian to other nations rather than their own house? Would it be biblical for parents to expose their children to violence and, and safety risks under the name of being compassionate and humanitarian to um, other kids in the neighborhood? Well, no. Parents are obligated by God to take care of their children, and governments are obligated to take care of their own citizens and look out for the safety and protections of our own citizens first. And we need to be looking at civil government and policy through a biblical lens so that we can advocate not just for red versus blue or, you know, politician versus somebody else, but but um, we really need to view policy from the perspective of how do we stand up for morality, for truth, and ultimately take care of America's needs first, and that is the obligation of civil government. And you're hearing uh, Todd and Copper in the background. They um, <laughs> they just looked over at me and they said hello. And so uh, you can always follow them on Instagram at two dudes d o o d s underscore Copper and Todd. And uh, they're my little co-hosts for this morning. And uh, Todd jumped in my studio chair yesterday on TV. Thought he was going to co-host uh, <laughs> my TV show. Maybe one of these days, but I think he's ready. We'll see. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Make it a great day for the Lord. Do everything that he has for you today. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. 
I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.